I'm excited about this new series, um, and I'm looking forward to February 10th. Mark that day on your calendar, February 10th, because it is going to be a new day for Horizon. There'll be more coming about that in the weeks and months. I know that's a bit out, um, but uh, God is doing some incredible things. He's moving in my heart, the hearts of the staff members, and um, there's some really great things that are coming here that are new but exciting. And uh, I want you to, to know that we're planning on springing ahead into what the Lord has given us for our future here at this church. I, I think of churches kind of like people in, in this sense. You know, every church has a personality and a, a unique gift set, just like an individual does. So no one church is ever supposed to be exactly the same. So you might know one that you liked and loved, and that's awesome. There are lots of good churches out there. But there's lots of methods and there's lots of things that God can highlight in bodies uh, and churches just like he does in the individual. Now the principles, we, we all need to be on that as individuals, principles of the scripture, and we need to be on the principles of the scripture for a church too. But every church is unique. And so just like an individual, we have to seek God and say, God, what are you doing? What are you saying for us and our future? Now here's the thing about churches that you may not know. Churches who do the same thing forever eventually don't grow. They just, they just don't. They have to adopt to the culture and adopt to change uh, around them and, and adopt to who they're trying to reach out to or they will not move forward. And so we've been seeking God about these things. It reminds me of uh, kids in a car on a long trip. There's one question that eventually comes out of them along the way when they get tired of being in that car. What is that question? The question is, are we there yet? And uh, we could ask ourselves that as individuals and ask ourselves as, as a church. Well, you're not there yet. I'm not there as an individual because we're always growing. We're becoming, right? We're on a journey. We're, we're, we're journeying together uh, in, in what the Lord's given us to do, but, but we never arrive. If you think you've arrived, you have because you'll never grow beyond that point. But, but uh, churches, you know, if we ask, are we there yet? Well, you're never there. Uh, the, the better question is, are we becoming what he has planned for us? Are we moving into the things that he's called us to do? The, the best question is, are we getting closer to his, to, to his plan for us right now? And, and you know, things, things change. I remember when we traveled, and, and this sounds wild, but it's really true, that I went to, to as, as far as we can determine, my mother gave me this number, that I went to 36 schools before I graduated from college. Two colleges four high schools. So beyond that, in grade school, elementary, preschool, we were all over the place and we didn't homeschool. We just, you know, my family was on the road and dad did work and it was weird. It wasn't as bad as you'd think. There were bad things about it. But the cool thing is we were always together and we were family. So home to us was a relative term. Home was wherever we were because we were a family. And, um, uh, you know, when we ask, are we there yet? We didn't mean a final destination. We just meant the spot we're stopping at for a while, you know. And, and I think that's a, 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 a better way to think about it for a church and even as an individual. Um, when we say, are we there yet? We don't, we, we don't mean, you know, have we arrived at the place that we're gonna stay forever. No church, no individual should stay at one place. You have to keep moving toward, towards God, growing in Him, and doing the things that He's calling you today to do for this season. When we were little, we'd travel in that car, and there were four of us in the, in the back seat of a car that would travel, and we'd travel late at night sometimes, going to the next destination. And I remember, you know, let's, let's say we're eight through uh, 12, you know, we were all like 16 months apart in this family, kids, siblings, two boys, two girls. And there was so little room in the back that we couldn't sleep whichever way we wanted to. We all had to sleep the same way. You know, we'd lay our heads this way. Some would get tired and tap, and then we'd switch the other way, you know, for a while until someone else got tired. Um, but but we, we uh, as time moved on, what was interesting is that that same car that once held us wouldn't hold us anymore because we were too big. We couldn't sleep anyway in that car. We couldn't even sit in the car. So we had to go to a station wagon. Things changed, right? And then when we got to be teenagers, life became really different, and then we had multiple cars, and we're moving all over the place. And, and isn't that the way it is for you? I mean, ladies, just think about the way dinner looked when you fed your children through the stages of life. 
dinner didn't look the same when you had a one-year-old as it did when you had a four-year-old or a four and a five-year-old. And then when you had junior hires, it looks different. Then you get high schoolers and you're hoping you're still having dinners, you know, as time moves. And, but you have to adjust in life and try to make it work for where we're at with all the changes. What I want you to know is church is the same way. That, that as we look at the things and we pray and we seek God and say, God, what are you saying? He shows us how to adjust as our body grows and, and, and to move into the things that he's calling us to and to help people uh, reach their optimum results for ministry in their own lives and figure out what he's doing in their lives. And, and so we have been seeking God about these things as we're growing and becoming and times are changing. And God is saying, I have some new things for you. And February 10th, I'm telling you, mark it. We're gonna have just a number of things that will hit on that day. I don't wanna scare you too much because we're not taking a whole lot away. We're just adding stuff that the Lord, uh, that the Lord is giving us. Uh, but don't, don't, you want, um, don't you want tomorrow to be better than yesterday? I mean, who doesn't? It's not, we're not thinking right if we don't want tomorrow to be better than yesterday. And, and God says, listen to me, follow me. Keep your ear close and I'll show you the direction to go. And I believe the Lord has been speaking to us. Now, let me say this. I am grateful for what the Lord has done here in this body through the years. I've been the senior pastor here for 19 and a half years. I know I look so young, that's hard to believe, but, but it's really true. Um, my wife looks that young, but not me. But, but, uh, you know, I've, I've totally enjoyed what God has done. It's just been fantastic. And, and even when I think before I showed up, you know, at the, at the old campus that we now have our grade school on, we still, we still uh, do ministry out of that campus. It's so cool what the Lord did early on in our history with the pastors before me and the people who were here. Some of you, uh, a few of you here from those early days. 37 years ago, we got our start here in Tualatin. And I'm grateful that God helped us raise millions to be here. I'm grateful that he did amazing miracles for permits when county officials told us that it couldn't be done and, and God did it. I'm grateful for the thousands of lives that have been changed and, and church, we've had thousands of people who've made commitments to Christ in just, in just the nearly 20 years I've been here. I'm really grateful for that, but here's the deal. I don't wanna just think about the past here. In any business, in any ministry, if you dwell on the past in the good old days, you will not spring forward. Pretty soon, all you'll think about is the fondness of yesteryear. And God wants to make tomorrow better. And I'm here to tell you that I've never been more excited. I've been here 19 and a half years, 22 and a half if you count youth ministry. I've never been more excited as a pastor than I am right now about what God is doing in us and what he's gonna do through us as we move forward. I feel, him, I feel pregnant with vision that, that he's given me and I'm so excited about uh, where we're going. I was reading this passage and I'm not, I'm not preaching yet. You know, they teach us homiletics in, in college and seminary and I know how to put a sermon together properly. I'm totally blowing it on this sermon. I'm just telling you right from the start, I'm sharing the first 15 minutes with some things that God has put in my heart that I believe you need to know, some vision that is bursting forth today about who we are and where we're going in our, in our future. And, and I, I'm grateful for what he's done, but I was reading in our Horizon Bible journals, journals uh, Bible reading plans. Some of you, those, those are great things to use for prayer and, and, and Bible reading and journaling. And, and I was reading a couple weeks ago in our reading plan, and here's what I came across. Isaiah 43, 15. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I call forth the mighty army of Egypt. Now remember this, he's talking about amazing miracles that once happened way back there. And these are things that they talked about and remembered as the good old days. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all of its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. I read that and I thought of all the miracles God's done for us in, in, the, in the time that I've been hearing before. And I was grateful for that. And then I looked at these next words. And you know, sometimes the word of God becomes the rhema, is what it says in, in the Greek. And it means that the word, the written word, not just any word, the rhema is the written word that is perfectly for now, that will jump into your heart. You've read it, Scores of times before, but right now it's for something specifically that the Lord wants to speak to you. Has that ever happened to you? You read it and go, wow, 
Wow, I just, that's come alive in me and you think you know something the Lord's telling you for right now through it. And this jumped out at me that way. It was a rhema word to me. And I got so excited because I thought about where we've been and all the things the Lord's done with us. And here's what the Lord said in this passage to them when they were thinking that. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. And I say to us about the past that I'm grateful for and I honor God and praise Him for what He's done. Forget all that. It is nothing compared to what He's going to do to His church right here at Horizon. And look at verse 19. For I am about to do something new. Did you know God brings new things? New things are exciting. New things bring results and salvation and healing and blessing. And God says to his people, and sometimes to an individual, I want you to go this direction and do something that is of me that I'm calling you to do. And it's new, and it's fresh, and it's exciting. Now I'll tell you, one of the things I love, I love to be on a road where I don't know what's coming. I just love that, probably because of the way I was raised. Because I never knew what was coming when we were raised as, as children. But I love discovering as we go. I love the journey that's different and not the same all the time. And God is not boring. God is not the God of yesteryear or yesterday. He's the God of today and the God of tomorrow. And our today and our tomorrows are going to be amazing because he's with us and he's giving us some new things. See, I have already begun. Do you not see? That's what he said to these people. That's what he'd say to us. See, I've already begun. Do you not see? Do you not see it? I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland. Philippians 3, verse 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. You know, you can make a mistake as an individual thinking about the way your family used to be. Or you can just be, you can think about all these good things and you've had some trouble right now in this moment and, 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 and you just think that was so much better and pretty soon you depress yourself and you miss everything good that's happening around you. God says, not only about the bad things, but about the good things. Forget what's behind. I'm doing something today and tomorrow. Let's go. Let's go. Let's move with God instead of sitting still and moping or, or thanking him for only what's happened. Let's believe him for the great things that, he, that he's going to do. In the next three weeks, I'm going to be sharing the vision at Horizon. And today, I start with that. And, and I want to just uh, tell you about one of the changes that's happening now. We used to have four environments. Those of you who went through the membership class, that we used to teach about four environments and, and um, a philosophy, the way we structured it here. But, but I found, and I've come to believe, that it's been a little too complicated for people to pick up. They don't quite get the living room, the family room, the kitchen in the neighborhood. It's just too hard to explain. So we're, we're, we're going back to something that we once did, but we're using what we learned through that because there's some powerful things in it, uh, the vital signs, which you're gonna hear me talking about uh, during, during this three-week sermon series, but we're kind of melding them together for a new hybrid for right now, for where we're going. And it's, it's been refined, what I'm about to share with you, and it's the same philosophy and goals. We're not changing uh, the way we are, we're, we're, just, we're just rewording it so everybody can understand. It's simpler and you're gonna be able to define it in an easier way. So let me summarize that for you. Take out uh, your bulletin insert that you write on for your notes. Even if you don't write on notes, just take it out for a moment. Humor me, please, just for a moment. The, 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 right at the top of it, it says the vision for Horizon Community Church. Now let me tell you this. The vision for Horizon, it's not about buildings. It never has been. Buildings are facilities. You, you familiar with that word? The facilities. Where's that word come from? The root is facilitate. They facilitate something. Buildings facilitate ministry. So we'll need buildings, and we have needed buildings as time has gone. But it's not about buildings. It's about people. But let me take it to another place. It's not just about people. It's about a person. It's about one here. And Jesus is telling us, if you'll be interested in the one, I'll do amazing things. We're so busy. Now, this sounds like a simple thing, but we're so busy sometimes when the one is right in front of us, we just can't quite do it right now. But God is saying to us as a body, if you'll be interested in the one, I'll do amazing things among you. 
The vision for Horizon Community Church is this. We exist for the purpose of encouraging people to follow Jesus Christ with their whole heart. That's a statement that I would like everyone who is connected to this place to know. What are we about? Well, Horizon Community Church is about encouraging people to follow Jesus Christ with their whole heart. As a matter of fact, would you just say that with me together now? Encouraging people to follow Jesus Christ with their whole heart. We're talking about people coming to Jesus, so let's talk about the one for just a moment. Let's, let's, let's see what is on God's heart for us as today. And I'm, I'm just gonna make this up, but it may have happened today. It happens on a regular basis. But there's a single mama who came through the doors this morning. She hasn't been to church since she was a child. She's had trouble drinking. She's had three or four men who've left her and her kids are from different dads. She's been messed up and she knows it and she's scared to death to walk through these doors because she thinks that the church won't like her if they know where she's been. But she's so hurting and so wounded and she feels the spirit of God drawing her. She read the sign and she came in one day and today was the day. And when she walked through those doors, she wondered how people would treat her. She wondered if they would even want to know her and she found that somebody embraced her that somebody actually talked to her, that somebody was happy to meet her and help her children get to children's church, that they brought her in and they sat by her, that they went out there and got her a cup of coffee and they loved on her. And then, and then she's thinking, wow, this is the first time in a long time that somebody actually wanted to know me. She's so wrapped up in these kids and so wrapped up in the wounds. And she wants God so badly, but she thinks he doesn't want her and it's not true. And God says, I want you to be about the one. Oh, there's a, there's a thousand other scenarios, but it's the one. It's where they're at. And God's, God wants to bless your life, and he wants to bless your children. He wants to bless your healthy families. He does. But he wants you to take up his cause. What did Jesus come for? He came to seek and save the lost. And here's the deal. Some of these come from families where a mom has been praying for 20 years that their boy, that their, that their daughter would come to Jesus Christ. They've been praying for you and I to come along. Then one of you get together. One of the awesome ladies here says, let's have coffee this week. I'll buy. And we start to love on them. And Jesus starts to work. encouraging them to take hold of Christ. Just take him with your whole heart and then he starts to work and do dynamic things in her life and in his life. We seek to accomplish this mission statement, this purpose statement I just read by emphasizing the following. Belong, and that's what I'm gonna talk about today, but let me go through the three quickly and summarize. When we say belong, there's three. Write them in now on that paper if you have it there. There's three blanks on the, on the front of that paper. Belong, become, and bless. There's the new simplification of what we're about. We're helping people belong to Jesus and journey with believers. We're all on a journey together. That's what it means. None of us have arrived. We're not there yet, but we're getting closer every day. And we, we let people get right in on that journey with us right away. We want them to, to know that Jesus has saved us by his grace and he'll save them. And, and <clears throat> I'm gonna talk more about belong because there's, there's another dynamic to belong about really getting connected and we're talking about small groups, which some of you are signing up. I'll talk about that more next week. Today, I'm just gonna talk about this main aspect of people belonging to Jesus, because that's what's on my heart, and I think the Lord wants us to hear that today. But what we mean by belong is develop meaningful relationships and share the good news. Meaningful. <laughs> meaningful relationships. And to share the good news <clears throat> along the way. Become. That's, that's really discipleship there. Becoming more like Jesus every day. That's personal growth and accountability. That's learning to pray and read the word. And we'll talk about those things next week. But bless, uh, it, it's, it is, this, this is not a line, by the way. This is a circle. Belong, bless, become. And people could get in any juncture right here to come into Christ. They could come in and start doing an outreach with us in our community when they don't know Jesus, but they might come to him because they, they just feel the love of God all over his people and they see that, that God is there for them. <clears throat> but in Western thought, and we're Western, of course, um, <clears throat> United States of America, you know, when we're talking global, it's, we're, we're the West and 
We think in terms of a beginning and an end, a start and a finish. But Eastern's thought is not like that at all. And the Bible was written, you need to remember, from an Eastern perspective because they're, they're, they're Jews. They're in the Middle East. And um, God is speaking to them. But Jewish perspective never has a beginning and an end. They don't think linear. We're the linear people. You know, we got goals, we reach them, we did it, Right? They don't think that way. So they start here and they, now I'm talking to you about belong, become and bless. So we start here and it's this continuum. But what it is is Jewish thought would say that you never arrive, but as you do these things, these are principles, you draw a circle, it's not linear, but it becomes bigger and you become more mature in Christ and you grow and you get blessed. And there's never an end, just more that God does. But these principles that we talk about are always in place. And we'll talk about that the next three weeks. I'm telling you, how to have a good life today in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you the simplicity of a structure that Jesus has laid down for us, that we're calling it belong, become, and bless, that if we do these things, our lives will go way, way better. Now, I'm, I'm glad that you're passionate about your family. Really, I am. I'm glad that you're passionate about your job and you like where you work. Some, some of you don't, but some of you do. And I think that's cool, but I wanna tell you, that's not, you weren't created that's not the greatest purpose of your life, your family. That might be a shocker to you. I want you to have great families. I do. The greatest purpose of your life is to follow God and and work with Him, to be blessed and a blessing. And here's the deal. If you put God first in your life and follow Him and make Him your passion, guess what happens to your family? Everything gets better. It's hard to believe, but it's true. You put God first and you let business come later and you honor him with your life and you seek him, guess what happens? Your business will even flourish. It doesn't get worse, it'll get better. God is amazing. You follow him and you, you be his every day and he's the most important thing in your life and everything starts to turn into an amazing adventure. And when we say bless, we mean bless people around us and across the world. Serve, give, and care for others. And there's more of that coming, especially with... Uh, a couple weeks of the missions emphasis that we're going to speak about. I'm very excited about uh, things that'll 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 start um, among us uh, just after this series in just a few weeks. But let me let me so so that was all the non homiletical approach. That was vision that I was just sharing with you. What are we about? Let me go to belong now and starting the sermon. It's going to be about a 17 minute sermon today. You're hearing those things that I think God's laid on my heart. Those things that I think He wants us to have as priorities. But let's talk about belong. A major focus for us at Horizon is to help people find salvation in and belong to Jesus Christ. Belong. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. What's the good news? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're not going to be ashamed to talk about Jesus here. And this, this, this is, I believe, it's my hope. I believe it's more importantly, it's God's hope for us. We will not be ashamed of Jesus Christ in our culture. We will speak the name, we'll speak with reverence, and we'll love him with our lives, but his name will be upon our lips, even in our culture, when we go beyond the walls of this place. We're not gonna be ashamed, and the word says in, in Romans 1.16, it is the power of God at work, this good news of Jesus Christ, saving everyone who believes in the Jew first, who believes, rather, the Jew first, and also the Gentile, the Gentile is every other race of mankind. We encourage people, still talking about what we're about here, we encourage people to bring unsafe friends to church so that they can find out about the love of God and salvation through Christ. We encourage people to build relationships with unbelievers, people who don't know Christ. One of the problems with churches as they grow older is they'll, they'll in the early days, have some great growth and, and, and massive um, uh, upheaval uh, as things change and things are growing it's exciting and a bunch of people get saved and numbers get added to and they they build and then pretty soon they just get so comfortable with everybody and they know everyone that they don't have unbelievers coming in anymore we're just so happy with each other that we're not reaching out to unbelievers and we don't even have any unbelieving friends now i'm here to tell you that i don't believe it's the will of god that we would have no relationships with unbelievers I believe that the will of God is that we should interact with people who don't know him and love them so that they can find out who he is through our lives and build relationships. Everywhere Jesus went, he talked to unbelievers, didn't he? He did. And he made them feel like they were special people. Now, here's a story for you. I didn't have it in my notes, but I did share it in the first service. I'm gonna do it again. My sister is a lesbian. 
She doesn't know Jesus Christ. She's chosen a path that she knows is apart from the truth of God's word. But I love my sister. I hope there are people who will build a relationship with my sister that are Christians. But most Christians don't want to have anything to do with homosexuals. That's sad to say. That's not how Jesus was. Jesus would go to the the most callous sinner and sit with them. And, And people would give him trouble for it. And here's the deal with my sister. Now, I've, I've witnessed to my sister a, a number of times through the years. But I can't talk to her about Jesus every time we get together and tell her exactly what the Bible says or it's not gonna go with it well with our relationship. So I have to be really sensitive to what the Lord says. But do you know what I let her know through the, through the years as we talk? I, I, I affirm some of the good things that I see in her. She has some good things in her. She's a giver. She's nice in many ways, but you know people aren't saved because they're good and nice, right? Why are we saved? Only because of the grace of God. And we repent of our sins when we come to Christ. His grace saves us, and if we're going the wrong direction, whatever our lifestyle is, it's set against God. It could be lying, thieving, stealing, and and adultery. But when we get saved, we turn and we go the right direction. Our behavior changes because God is in us and he helps us. We may stumble and fall, but we don't live the lifestyle of sin because that would show and prove that we're not really in Christ. If we're willfully, continually, deliberately still living in a lifestyle of sin, whatever that lifestyle may be. But I, I can't say that every time I get together with her, right? She won't want to talk to me. So I love on her. And I ask her how things are going. And I try to bless her. And every now and then, when the Lord speaks to my heart, I'll bring a word. But church, we have to, we have to be going beyond the walls of this place and, and, and thinking about people beyond us who need Jesus Christ. You're saying, are you saying that it might be the will of God for me to have a, a, a friendship with a person who's homosexual? It, it might be. It might be somebody's mama has been praying for you to come along and for me to come along. And then we encourage people to build relationships with unbelievers and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not just saying, you know, people who are hardened, callous sinners, but our, our neighbors next door who seem like great and wonderful people, but they don't know Jesus. To be lost in, is to be lost. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, uh, and people need to accept Jesus Christ or they won't go to heaven. We talked about heaven and hell. Jesus wants to empty hell and he's using us to do it by loving people and telling them the truth. And so we're intentional even about relationships. And in those relationships, we encourage you and people to be givers and not takers in those relationships. And, and you know what I mean by that? It's, it's that we're not asking them to give us anything. We just give the love of God no matter what they give. And we might even give help when they need help. And counsel if they, if, if they become friends and eventually uh, care about us and know we care about them enough to, to, to ask us a question about some hard things going on in their life. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That happens through relationship. And then the, the ultimate goal is not only here but in our lives that in these relationships that we encourage people to share the good news of Jesus with others. It's not really that hard if you just get into a relationship and you're asking God to lead you. Pretty soon something will come up where it's just a perfect opening. Witnessing, the art of witnessing, the key is being led by the Holy Spirit. The timing might be right now. Sometimes Jesus didn't wait, but the timing might be in a few weeks after several meetings that there's something there with a question they ask. But the point is to be intentional and to be asking God to help us reach them with his love. Luke 5, 27, we see this was in Jesus. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Now, just just a word, tax collectors were considered the worst people in the culture. They were complete thieves. They would take a certain percentage for themselves and and they would uh, take control in a certain community and people hated the tax collectors. They were considered the worst sinners of all. And Jesus says to one of them, Follow me and be my disciple. Verse 28, so Levi got up, that was his name, left everything and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Levi comes to Christ. He says, okay, I'm gonna follow you with my life, right? That's what we're looking for. 
And he's already saying that Jesus is, is the guest of honor. I hold him in high esteem in my life. How does the church or how do the religious people respond to that in this situation? Let's look. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with him. So there are a bunch of these sinners there. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law, here's the religious people coming in, complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? I can't tell you how much that hurts me to read. Sometimes we forget where we came from. We just do. There's not one deserving person of salvation here. There's not one of us who haven't sinned, and most of us have sinned greatly. And we forget that. And if churches aren't careful, just little religious clubs come up where we, we don't want these people to come in. Do you see the heart of Christ here? Christ was, in, was, was so excited. Jesus was excited to be there among these people who were turning their hearts to him. But the religious people called those people scum. If you only knew their stories. If you only knew about <clears throat> the abuse that they had as a child. <clears throat> The rape that one of them went through. The abandonment by their mother. If you only knew that they didn't have the privilege of hearing the gospel like you did or being raised in a Christian home or having advantages that many of us have had in our lives. They're a product of their environment in many cases. And God wants us to reach out to them, not to look down on them. Jesus answered them, verse 31, <clears throat> excuse me, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Romans 2.4 shows us one of the keys to reach out to people. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? When we care about people and we show them his love, not a finger shaking in their face, but we show them what real love is. It's not that we're perfect or that we completely understand it, but we have experienced love. And when we show them, they come to Christ. There was a fellow many years ago here named Michael, one of the ones who came through the doors, didn't know Jesus. Didn't care about God, thought that stuff was all stupid and a joke most of his life, right around 50 years old. His wife had become a believer. She's a Christian, had been praying for him for a season. And he came down with terminal cancer. And this guy who was a partier and had his friends and loved the alcohol and loved a certain lifestyle, and he had tons of friends because he was really a fun guy. I mean, he was... He just had a great personality. But when he knew he was going to die, he started thinking about life and death. And he came through the doors of our church. People had been praying for Michael. So when he walks in, there are people who want to know him and greet him, and he's kind of overwhelmed. Everybody's so nice. And he thought it was a little bit strange, the whole thing. He'd never experienced a church environment like that because everybody was happy. And the music was not what he expected. And the people were so friendly, he came back again, and he came back again, and he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Michael died a few months later. And he's in heaven today. He said that when he got saved... He couldn't believe it that life became like an e-ticket at Disneyland. That would date him a little bit. There are no more e-tickets. But what he meant is the trip before Christ and the the trip after Christ, there was no comparison. When he came to Jesus, it all got better. Life was so exciting to him. When he passed away, believe it or not, there was a time of rejoicing that the Lord had, had come into his heart. And one night, shortly after his death, his mother-in-law stood up to give a testimony at one of our evening services that we had in those days. Her name was Bernie. She hadn't been saved that many years herself. An elderly woman. 
Michael was her son-in-law. She knew Michael before Christ and wasn't completely impressed. And then she knew Michael after Christ and Bernie had been a nurse all of her life. She was retired in her latter years but she said this quote and I've never forgotten it. This is from Bernie who's not with us anymore either. Bernie and Michael are in heaven. But Bernie stood up and said, she said, I've been a nurse all my life and I had seen many born but this was the first time I'd ever seen someone born again because Michael changed. 1 Peter 1, 23, for you have been born again, but not to life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God and Michael's in heaven today. And that is what we're trying to do. We're trying to help people belong to God. Did you know that the church services here are designed and planned to appeal to unbelievers as well as believers? It's on purpose. It's intentional. Let me give you a little bit of vision. What are we about on a Sunday morning? Here's here's a good portion of what we're about. This is vision now. A parking lot that is loaded and teeming with excitement as cars pull onto the campus. Even the parking attendants are happy. A friendly atmosphere when you walk through the doors. There are more happy people saying hello and genuinely interested in knowing you. Not just saying hello, but knowing you. Then of all things, we have great award-winning Stumptown coffee. How bad can this church be if they have good coffee, right? And there's a great conversational atmosphere out there. That's intentional. The dress is casual, so visitors can feel comfortable. Because after all, we're just normal people too, aren't we? We want them to know that. The music is pretty close to what the average person listens to every day in their car. It's more of a party sound than a funeral sound. They expect a funeral dirge when they come in. They don't know what to expect. But added to the worship music is this anointing of the Holy Spirit that they've never experienced before. They don't even know what's happening. They're overwhelmed as the Spirit of God starts to move during the worship. And I've seen it time and time again where people who don't know Jesus come and, and, or they're, they're coming back to Jesus will come into a worship service and before any preaching up, they just start to weep. They just start to cry. They don't even know, they don't get it. But they're feeling something and what it is, it's just the arms of God starting to reach and embrace. Saying, I've been here all the time looking for you. Come home to me. The Holy Spirit is revealing to them the truth about the love of Jesus who wants to rescue them. Then a sermon is preached. Now, I'm just saying this is a goal. I'm not bragging. This is the goal that is relevant and applicable to everyday life. It's interesting and even humorous at times and shared in a relational style. It's filled with scripture from the Bible and it's delivered with the love of God as the emphasis. The sermon has an impact with it that is brought from heaven because it's accompanied by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. See, church, I'm telling you, every week, I'm asking God to help me. I'm saying to the Lord, I must decrease and you must increase. I'm saying to the Lord, please, God, please bring your Holy Spirit to touch hearts. And sometimes when people come up to me after sermons that are unbelievers and you can tell who they are because they'll say things like, that was a really nice speech. Or one of them said to me once, and, and I'll just spell it out, that was an H-E-L-L of a talk. So you kind of know, he probably, he probably doesn't get this whole thing, but it makes me smile, because I'm glad he's here. I like that. I don't want it every Sunday from him, but I, I want him. But, but you know, some people just say, and they're just amazed by what happened because they don't know that when a preacher preaches that the Holy Spirit accompanies and they think they're being moved by the speaker. But it's not me and it's not the other guys or ladies that preach. It's the Holy Spirit who starts to speak to a heart and open that heart and lay it bare and he draws them. That's what we're looking for every week here. The service 
culminates in a time where new people are offered a chance to accept Jesus and many of them respond to that love of God. They're drawn by the Spirit of God and they receive Christ into their hearts and lives. That's part of the vision here. Hey, we're about believers too. We want to build you up. But every week we're reaching to unbelievers. We, we want them to belong to the family of God. We want you to help us by bringing them in so that we can love on them and they can hear and feel his presence. We encourage individuals to use their gifts, talents, and interests to lift up Christ so that the world will see him. So we're not just about these meetings. I'm gonna do it someday. I used to say it, but I'm gonna put a sign. You can only read it on the way out, and it says this, the service starts now. Because, you know, I, a lot of what I think is framed in athletic mindset because that's, you know, for 23 years, I, I, I just focused on a lot of that in my life. But here's the way I would say it with my athletic mindset. This is practice. When we leave this place, that's where it really begins. This is where we get the game plan from God's word. This is where we get built up With not only pep talks, but as believers, we get the Holy Spirit welling up in our hearts and souls and giving us courage and boldness and love to go out and lavish that love upon others. But it's when we leave this place that it all begins. That's game time in that athletic mindset. And we encourage individuals to use your gifts, talents, and interests to speak of Christ beyond this place. Ephesians 2.10 says that you are God's workmanship. Did you know he doesn't create any junk? You know that, right? Only good stuff. That's you. You're his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. It's great to have you serve here. But it's not just serving here. We want you to serve and love and bless and give those gifts beyond. I want you to watch this video in just a moment. I'm trying to hurry now. But in 1975, Lauren Cunningham from YWAM, you uh, you may not know that name, but YWAM, I believe, has 30,000 young people all across the world right now doing missions and ministry. Several kids from this church have gone to do those missions. Lauren Cunningham's a man of God. In 1975, he's in a cabin in Colorado. And he felt like the Lord burned something into his heart, and he wrote it down, and there were thoughts he'd never had before, and he called it the seven mountains of influence. And he felt like God was showing him a plan to reach nations, to infiltrate cultures, to bring not only people but nations back to God. And he wrote this down, and as he went down from that mountain, he, he met Bill Bright, who was his friend, who was also in Colorado. And Bill said to him, Lorne, we need to get together. And they got together and he said, Bill said, look at this. The, the Lord gave me these things recently. Bill Bright is, uh, is the Campus Crusade director who passed away uh, a few years ago, but a great godly man who's influenced our nation incredibly as well. One of the great leaders uh, of his era. And the seven things that he wanted to show Lorne were the exact seven things that Lorne had written down. And Bill said, I believe God wants us to reach our nation this way. And then to their amazement, there was another great leader. Some of you have read his books, Francis Schaeffer, who led a college called Labrie across the water. And when they got together with him, he showed them the same seven things. Now this, this is what I think. I think the Spirit of God was working to bring these leaders together and show the church something that was prophetic. I want you to watch this video. This is the seven mountains that those three brothers got. And I'm thinking about you and your influence, not just here, but beyond this place. We don't want all pastors, right? That's a great ministry, but we want all ministers going everywhere. And so look at this, and you'll hear more about this as we go forward in our future. It's part of the vision as well. But here's the seven mountains. Take a look. In every city of the world, an unseen battle rages for dominion over God's creation and the souls of people. This battle is fought on seven strategic fronts, looming like mountains over the culture to shape and influence its destiny. Over the years, the church slowly retreated from its place of influence on these mountains, leaving a void now filled with darkness. When we lose our influence, we lose the culture, and when we lose the culture, we fail to advance the kingdom of God. And now, a generation stands in desperate need. It's time to fight for them and take back these mountains of influence. The mountain of government, where evil is either restrained or endorsed. 
the mountain of education, where truths or lies about God and his creation are taught. The mountain of media, where information is interpreted through the lens of good or evil. The mountain of arts and entertainment, where values and virtue are celebrated or distorted. The mountain of religion, where people worship God in spirit and truth or settle for a religious ritual. The mountain of family, where either the blessing or a curse is passed on to successive generations. And the one mountain they all depend on, the mountain that fuels and funds all the other mountains. The mountain of business, where people build for the glory of God or the glory of man, where resources are consecrated for the kingdom of God or captured for the powers of darkness. Those who lead this mountain control what influences our culture. The last 50 years, we've seen the most rapid moral decline in history. The culture we inherited from our forefathers is disintegrating before our eyes. What kind of world are we leaving for our children and grandchildren? As long as the business mountain is held by enemies of the gospel, funding for the other mountains will always be constrained, and any efforts to advance the kingdom of God will be hindered. Imagine God's people reclaiming their cities and government, in the arts and entertainment, in the media, in education, in the family, in religious influence, but only limited by their imagination and not by a lack of finances. It is time to reclaim the seven mountains and bring the life of God back into our culture. You see, God's calling us not to make only a difference in our community, but in our state, in our nation, and the world. Be who God called you to be and reach out to win other others for Christ with what he's given you and he'll show you how to do that when we say business we're not just talking like Christian bookstore we're talking businesses out there in the world and the influence that businessmen and businesswomen can have when we say arts and entertainment we're not just talking about Christian artists that's great I love them but we're talking about artists who are penetrating the culture and changing things with the way movies look and getting a message that's penetrating the culture that is not currently there. I believe that we can take back our nation and the world through these avenues. We're not talking about church government. We're talking about men and women. Maybe some students from this school or some students from this youth group will rise up to become politicians that love Jesus, honor him with their lives, and make a difference in this world. We're not just about us. We're about God's influence everywhere. John 12, 32, But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. And whoever you are, whatever God's given you to do, you can make a difference out there, not just in the walls of the church. Encouraging people to follow Jesus with their whole heart. Building up believers. You encourage them when you, when you speak words that are truth from God's word and talk about Jesus Christ and causing unbelievers' hearts to start to hunger and say, could it be? And they open their hearts to Jesus. I want to close this by just reading some emails and some cards that we've gotten in the last few weeks. I want to show you how you're doing. I think you're doing pretty well talking about people belonging to this place, bringing them in so that they might know Jesus Christ and reaching them beyond this place. Here, here's some, some cards or some emails, these cards that we fill out weekly. Most of this comes from that. One person said, your church is so beautiful, so are the people. Beautiful morning, beautiful foliage, beautiful people. Thanks for letting me be a part of the HCC family. Someone else said, our family blesses this church. We feel so comfortable or confident and comfortable in this building with these people sharing our love with God. Someone else said, looking forward to joining the Horizon family. You know, you're making people feel comfortable and love when they come here. That's what this is saying. Lo another, love being part of the Horizon family. Thank you all for being obedient to God and, and, and the love you share. Someone else said, I've been greatly impressed by the people Honest, caring people without pretense or other agenda. They're surprised by that. 
Genuine, nice people sharing their joy in the Lord. Also, the messages are meaningful without being overbearing and quite often incorporate humor. You see how the vision is coming about. I mean, we're on it. And we're going to do even more. We're going to reach more. The Lord's going to help us. Someone said, excited for membership classes in the fall. Another person said, I left my house angry about some things and left the service in a much better place. I love this next one because it it means we're really hitting the nail on the head on this next one. Thank you all. God is great. If people leave this room and their number one thought is God is great, we have hit it. We're on it now. If they leave thinking you're great or I'm great, not near as good, maybe even a problem. But if they leave thinking God is great, now we're on to something here. That's what we're about. We're lifting up Jesus Christ, lifting up the Father, Almighty God. Someone else said, thank you for being the church of second chances. Don't you love that? That means we're looking a lot like Jesus if we're a church of second chances. Another person, I recommitted myself to Jesus today to live for him with my whole life, my whole heart. Man, that's almost our our purpose statement right there. With my whole heart, they want to follow him. One of my friends, another says, accepted Christ at this service and I believe the service spoke right to her heart as it did mine. This service was a great victory because I am now certain one of my friends is going to heaven. It's a person who gets it. And the last one I have for you today, the message has been encouraging to me to follow God more and to stop putting him aside. It has been many years since I've attended any church and I felt in my heart that God was telling me it's time. My wife was ready to leave me around this time last year due to my selfishness. Now we couldn't be more happy. Jesus is moving among us. Do you not see it? Do you not perceive it? He's doing great things right now. He's working through you. You're loving them when they come through the doors. And the Spirit of God is using that love to bring them to a place where their hearts start to open up. And He moves in to love on them and says, if they love me, God, maybe you can love me. They don't believe He can, but He will. God help us. Thank God for what he's doing and thank God for what he's going to do. There's much more coming. Great things that the Lord's going to do in us and through us to bless others so that they might belong.